you are listening to Baltimoreans, baby. The home of the all weather, but at this moment, very enjoyable weather. <laughs> well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but more than that in a moment. Uh, my name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get exultant. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Hey, have you heard the expression, when it rains, it pours? <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw the viral, can we call it viral, tweet that Alan put out on the Be Morons account uh, last night. There were many exultant tweets, but Alan's was one of the more popular. Alan, do you want to read it for people? <laughs> Uh, sure. It's it's a classic. It's a classic tweet format, I believe. Um, uh, a throwback, if you will. But but had that tweet format ever been applied to a an A East clinching? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Emotion. I don't, I don't know if it had. I'm not sure how how one would even check that. <laughs> sure, sex is great. But have you ever tried having your team lock down a hundred wins, the A East, and the thirty year lease at Orioles Park at Camden Yards while your top prospect homer is in the AAA championship in the same evening? When it rains, it pours. It's also um, interesting to think about pouring, given uh, your recent attempt to drive anywhere in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, that is admittedly the other reason that that phrase is on my mind, friends. I need to tell you, I literally floated to the studio today, and not just because I'm on a cloud of joy. Um, I my car literally floated in flash flood waters to Yikes. Hootenanny Studios today. Yikes! Um, and I, I bring that up only because two two reasons. One, I think on any other morning, with safety in mind, it is possible I might have texted Alan Smith and said, "Like, listen, man, I love the podcast." But I don't know if I can safely arrive at my destination right now. But it felt so important to get a show <laughs> in your ears today. So you left your car in the BQE and canoed over? I'll never see it again. Oh, I'll wow. never see it again. <laughs> easy come, easy go. Yeah. <laughs> um, friends, morons, countrymen. What a night. Unreal. Unreal. And, you know, there, there are, um, e even though the sort of um, uh, cathartic release of clinching the AL East and getting to 100 wins um, happened in the same window, you did sort of feel that mathematically we were going to win the AL East sometime over the course of this series. Yeah. What really blew it away for me uh, was the news at the top of the fourth inning that the 30-year lease had been signed. Now, yeah. of course, yeah. we don't have details of that lease yet. We do not know what pounds of flesh uh, the Angeloses were able to extract from the state of Maryland. Um, and in fact, we were hoping uh, to, to kind of break some of that stuff down with some um, amazing Baltimore organizers who have a really cool idea about team ownership coming at y'all. But we'll wait until next week for that when we know a little bit more about what the lease is and Sam is not literally underwater. Yes. Um, but that felt like 
some combination of brilliant PR move by the Angeloses, uh, and John was due. <laughs> Do oh, yeah. for a brilliant PR move. This is I figured out I figured out what I want to say about Angelos, which is that it was very tempting to me last night, uh, and we even exchanged some textual messages to this effect, Smith. It was very tempting to think like, oh my God, did John Angelos finally figure out how to engender goodwill instead of outrage amongst the fan base? And like, should we give him any credit for announcing arguably even bigger news than us clinching the division during the game in which we clinched the division? And what I have come to the conclusion uh, uh, on is uh, the conclusion I've come to, I should say, is no, we should not give him any credit. Um, I am quite. Wait, con- so we're so we're canceling the statue. <laughs> Yes. Uh, get get the get the guys on the line. Uh, get local local four one six on the line. No statue of John Angelos to be constructed. But because uh, because one, I I can't imagine that someone as tone deaf as him somehow like pulled this off. Like I have to believe it. Would someone else was responsible for getting this deal announced? Oh, I, that's interesting. I kind of disagree. I actually think that maybe. It is exactly the sort of cynical thing that <laughs> Angelos would do. I think that maybe they negotiated this lease like six weeks ago and he's mm. been sitting on it to deploy it only Ooh. if Santander hits that homer and they're up instead of down in this game. Right. I think that he's had it on I think he's had this thing on retainer for a bit and he was waiting to put yeah. it out, which in its own way makes me furious yeah because then what it becomes is like a um uh uh, toying with our emotions all the more (laughs) 100 percent, 100 percent. well either way whatever it is the the place i have landed with it is it this the move he made had to be this good to make up for all the bad feelings that he fostered all season long. like, And I don't he, think he's made up for it. Yeah, no, totally. But he had to pull a rabbit this size out mm-hmm. of his hat. He had to pull off a Barnum-esque stunt like this mm-hmm. to recover any amount of faith that we as a fan base are going to have in him, that he will do things like now approve extent, an extension for Adley Rutschman uh, in the offseason. Um so like like it was tempting for a moment to be like I don't know I got to hand it to the guy announcing a thirty year lease extension in the mid in- middle innings of a game where it looks likely that they're they're going to take the AL East kind of a good PR move and then I had to back off that and be like no that's that was table stakes in terms I, of me having think, any yeah, respect for I, I, I do think we have to give him credit for the Barnum and Bailey move though it like, was pretty it was pretty it was, Barnum it was masterfully I mean like. I was listening on the radio, so I didn't have the experience of like watching that thing happening on the jumbotron. But they came back from commercial, and like it sounded like like a like someone had just laced a double. Right. Like the whole stadium was like rumbling, and yeah, yeah. Brett Hollander did his like thirty-two second um, like something really large has happened and it wasn't the Mateo double play in the last <laughs> inning. And da, da, da. it's like, tell me what's happening. Yeah. Um, give me the but, news, Brett. Give me the news. 
That was pretty exciting. And, you know, if we could, for a moment, talk about baseball. Oh, right. Um, Dean Kramer. <laughs> Dino. Dylan Dean. And, 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 and Dayton Lane. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, Dean Kramer had it going on. He, I mean, like, I, I get that that Red Sox team didn't have a lot of focus, didn't have a lot to play for, but um, that's the best that Dean Kramer has pitched since June. Still a good lineup. Still a good lineup. I have to say, I have to say, last week on the show, we were talking about this. We were talking about that that uh, Fangraphs article where Fangraphs was like, actually, we were right. The Orioles are bad. They're just winning games because it's all <laughs> around it, like a, a statistical anomaly. And we were talking about this idea that like, no, it, it winning one run games like does mean something It's going on. It's just that your model doesn't understand it. And I think if you look at the starting pitching performances that we have gotten recently in huge moments, whether it was Grayson after losing the first two games of the Rays series, whether it was Gibson uh, the other night, whether it was Bradish um, the other night, whether it was Dean last night, something else is going on when you have these guys who you know let, let's stick with with gibson and um kramer for a second because i think you know the the stat heads would be a little bit quicker to admit that grayson rodriguez might actually be a good pitcher and that bradish might actually be a good pitcher but bradish uh, sorry gibson and kramer are both guys that like have people scratching their heads about like why are they good <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's a conversation for a different day. Clearly, they were able to draw upon some deep well of fortitude to show up huge in these games that mean so much. I mean, if you read, if you if you just read the analysis of their true talent levels, they should have blown it, and they didn't. And honestly, like. It's a, it's a, um, this is almost certainly just like incredibly rose colored glasses for me, but it's a long season, right? And yeah, one inevitably feels more the aches and pains of a 162 games in the middle of late July, early August in those dog days than one does when you have the adrenaline of coming into September. Totally. And why does that matter? That matters because that adrenaline is only going to go up in October. And if these guys are capable of sort of ratcheting it up to meet the moment, then that says really exciting things um, about a team that I feel like I still, no matter how far we go, and I will do this, you know, 10 games after we clinch the World Series, still expect these guys to come up small in those situations, not because of them, not because right. anything that they have shown me, but because of my intrinsic pessimism that is in, <laughs> that comes with my fanship. And so yeah. like every piece, like fucking uh, Heston Kerstad getting <laughs> the bloop double yeah. that scores Adam Frazier for the second run is magnificent. It's, it's spectacular. That's it is. Exa- it's it's un- it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unscriptable. It's unscriptable. Yeah. Um, is this other- is no answer? Rid- riddle riddle me this. Is it too? Is it too rose colored glasses to say 
that um, Mateo's best month since April has been September. Well, it's it's. It, it fits in with this whole narrative thing that we're talking about, because I think all of us know that Mateo probably knows that he is playing his last games in an Oriole uniform. If we look ahead to next year and you look at the, the readiness level of Joey Ortiz and probably Jackson Holiday, I don't really know if there's a spot for Jorge Mateo on the team next year. No, um, he's, and and he's he's below the pecking order. He's lower in the pecking order than um, uh, those prospects, and probably even someone like Urias, who who yeah. stays on as the utility guy. Right, because Urias can you know hit. <laughs> I mean, Mateo did full pull the full Buckner last night. So true, 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 true. <laughs> Don't know what that was about. Yeah, yeah, but but like. I think he knows. I think he knows that he's got to. He's got to give. He probably came into September knowing, like, that I have to show up this month because it could be over after this. And in the spirit of what we're talking about, he has to the be, to to the best of Jorge Mateo's ability, he has showed up. Another thing I I, I want to say about Kramer quickly is he's on a three game hit streak. <laughs> My God, my God, uh, 54 more to go. And we're having a different conversation, Smith. Um, <laughs> okay. These trends continue. Oh! <laughs> that, that actually was too far. And I apologize. Um, can I just tell you, uh, I just did some, some quick math, which is always a little dangerous for me to do, but uh, over his last 43 big league starts, which is a significant sample size. And we're talking about about 300 major league innings. Would you like to know what Dean Kramer's earned run average is? I would. 3.68. Huh. I would have guessed that was easily in the fours. I think he might be a serviceable big league pitcher. And... You know, I, this this comparison has has already been made by other people, but I I want to amplify it. He reminds me of Chris Tillman. He knows mm. how to do as much as possible with what he has, which increasingly is an undervalued skill in a major league starting pitcher. You know, when, when that like we are just so awash in all these guys who come in and try to blow everybody away and hurt their arms. The idea that we have a guy who knows who he is and pitches to the ceiling of of that is, that's an incredibly valuable thing. That's an incredibly valuable thing. And like we are going into at least the ALDS knowing that we have two guys who stack up really, really well against anybody else, right? Grayson over his last 11, 12 starts and Bradish all season long, basically. Like, you'll take him against anybody. You'll take Mm -hmm. him against anybody. And the idea that Dean can come in in that third game uh, and, like, really make it difficult on the other team with a fresh bullpen that Tyler Wells is pitching out of now? What? Can we get excited about that, too? 
it just it's two it's, it's really um, two exciting. things just that it's nice to um marinate in for a second amazing amazing pitchers fielding their position in the late innings um, to deny Boston even the beginnings of a sniff of a rally. Yeah. Um, Perez with that, uh, like, uh, um, Odell Beckham impression, yeah. uh, one-handing <laughs> without the glove and then, like, sliding over the bag. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Tyler Wells rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, and then somehow yep. managing to shovel the ball over. Yes. And shouts to O'Hearn for his balletic toe in keeping <laughs> yes. keeping it on the back. Somehow there. keeping all of that nonsense in front of him. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it it's it's it is it reminding me all of this that we've been talking about is reminding me of MLB Network did one of its many um, late to the party features on the Orioles being good recently. Uh, and I believe it was Brian Kenny that hosted the one I'm thinking of in particular. And the word he used to describe the Orioles, the phrase he used, I'm sorry, is quiet competence. And I haven't been able to get that phrase out of my head since he said it. I think it is actually a genius way of describing this team. Because if you think about what that implies, it implies all the things that we like about the Orioles and have been talking about on our show for months, which is this idea of no holes there's there's no we don't have any eight win player who is going to carry the team on his back for months at a time but there is nobody on the team who is going to except for you know a couple of jack flaherty starts there's nobody on the team who is going to go out there and actively put us in a position to lose and in fact Everybody on the roster has something that they do that closes a hole that exists on another roster. And I'll take that <laughs> yeah. going into October. Yeah. So obviously it's Braddish and uh, um, Gandalf. Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, do you feel like Kramer was having a bad September and a yeah. bad couple of starts before that? Do you feel um, that the sort of like five and a third shutdown inning? I mean, the only reason he got pulled was because of a Mateo error, like, yeah. and yeah. the fact that he only had a one run lead. Do do you feel like that puts him back above means? No, this is what's so exciting to me is like, let's see how means does tonight with a sure. half drunk uh, <laughs> set of infielders and outfielders behind him. I like, mean, we're still paying Chris Davis. Can he play first base? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the chances are that Jim Palmer can DH? <laughs> Honestly, we're talking about Palmer strong. Like, <laughs> yeah, it could probably go three for five to be it's honest. his 60th anniversary tonight. So run him out like, there, get him man. in there, get him in there. DH at least once. <laughs> yeah. Run him out there. Um, I, the thing that is even more exciting to me about the Dean Kramer situation is assuming like we, I'm still not totally ready to bet the farm on John means because he is coming back from this injury. Like, yeah, he's looked really good in the three starts since he came back, but 
if if he shows strong again tonight, I'll I'll feel much more comfortable. But let's say he does show strong tonight. Actually, Dean Kramer is your number four mm. in the playoffs. Because I, I mean, I think obviously pound for pound, Means is probably the better pitcher, and uh, he's left-handed. So that is uh, an exciting thing in terms of fustigating an opposing team's lineup construction. So Kramer is your number four in, let's just think about the ALDS right now, in a five-game series. That's a good spot to be in, Smith. That is yeah. a good spot. Yeah, and and realistically also, like, th- there's a... Th- th- um, you don't want to get too prognosticated about any of this, right? But like one of the things that has happened in some of the, you know, runs in the playoffs of late is like the ace has to pitch, you know, game was one, four and out of the bullpen in seven or whatever. Um, and I think one of the things about that, like quiet competence, um, lack of particular spectacular pitcher, but everybody pulling their weight is that like, I feel pretty comfortable giving Kramer the ball for game four, knowing, you know, that um, Gibson and Flaherty are there. Our bullpen is presumably, you know, decently rested. Yeah. Um, All that in the background. Um, But uh, like, I, I don't think we need to put too much on, Kyle Bradish. I don't think we need to do too much for Rodriguez. They can just take their rotation and then go. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my question, Smith. The thing I haven't been able to stop thinking about uh, since last night, which is obviously the most urgent question before us. Do you bring back Cole Irvin for the playoff roster? I don't think you need him. Yeah. I yeah. mean, who does he bump? Right. Well, th- I, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, I think the arm that he probably provides is in terms of it, like he is a lefty which is which is relevant but like if you're going to have Kyle Gibson in the bullpen probably and you have Flaherty in the bullpen and you now have Wells in the bullpen I don't necessarily know what Irvin is bringing to the table that those guys aren't except the the matchup piece of it yeah yeah, I mean, and and you know, I also like. Uh, I I think that like there there are reasonable um, like there's 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 a reasonable case to be made that uh, the 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 roster for the bats is so um, uh, solid mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so predictable almost at this point. That if you're gonna carry another person, it should be an arm. Yeah. Um, Kerstad is not eligible for the playoff rotation. Is that is that accurate? I believe that is accurate. I believe that is accurate. And I love Heston, but uh, I feel like the the this maybe the second most exciting thing to me after clinching is that Mountcastle seems to be healthy again. Yeah. Because. Like, you know, obviously we can win games without Ryan Mountcastle. We were without him for long stretches this year. But healthy Ryan Mountcastle in a platoon at first base with O'Hearn 
is definitively like that is the the unbeatable Orioles lineup. Um, like the, those two guys working in tandem in that spot in the order is that is the ultimate in Orioles offense, quiet competence. I yeah. Um, um, I just was looking it up. It looks like he can um, be added to a playoff roster to replace an injured player. Mm. So he's there like break glass if in case of emergency um, right. probably would be the first, the first one off the bench. If Mount Castle's arm yeah. is not as, uh, you know, knock on wood is yeah. not as, not as bad as it, or is, is, is not okay. So okay. So one more playoff roster question for you. The 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 thought had crossed um, not my mind, but I believe Orioles statistics on Twitter um, first posted this. But the thought crossed uh, his mind that, except for the technical rule that you have to legally restate him with the team office beforehand, how amazing would it have been to get to the ninth inning after the lease? after everything and then oh my god is that bautista's music <laughs> coming out of the bullpen like a fucking wwe wrestler um yeah the the stadium would have like popped <laughs> um but <laughs> oh god fuck? we just signed a 30-year lease on this thing <laughs> <Melted>. <laughs> what the fuck is he is he on the roster what's happening <laughs> so i i mean I remain deeply confused about the Bautista situation because I know he threw the simulated game the other day. And after that happened, they talked to Hyde and said, like, so basically what you just said. So what the fuck? And Hyde very much played down the idea of Bautista mm. being ready. He said something like, I, I just don't know if he's he's going to be able to get there in time. Um so I continue to not know what the value of keeping him semi-active is at this point. Like, I guess I just remain concerned that every instant that he is not going ahead and getting whatever surgery he needs and starting his recovery timeline so he can be ready for next year, it just feels like a waste to me. But they're obviously looking at stuff that we're not looking at do you so if if in fact the orioles still think that there's like an almost no chance of him actually pitching are they just leaving him out there to freak out <laughs> other teams <laughs> like is this like one of those things where the the you know the the quarterback who is injured practices just so that the opposing team has to like run right. defenses in the week leading up to imagine that he's playing because maybe that seems in baseball, that seems vanishingly small. <laughs> like you don't really yeah. have to prep for Batista anyway. You just sort of like throw your bat into the zone and hope he right. accidentally hits off your bat. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't understand what the move is, but, but I do feel like there aren't a lot of accidents with this front office. Um, mm. and, and, or, 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 or candidly with Hyde, like, um, one of the things I've been thinking about, uh, especially down the stretch here as we marched towards the division title, just in watching how he managed the bullpen is like, I, w I was just thinking he, he is not the type of manager where, you know, he's going to go out to the mound and the pitcher is going to say like, I, I think I have one more batter in me. Like once he makes the, he's always 
pulling the the starting pitcher just before mm-hmm. one could argue it was too late to pull the starting pitcher. Like he he really does not seem to leave much room or margin for error. Um, and clearly, Which sometimes yields a bit of an early hook, but for sure, for sure, and and leads to bullpen fatigue. Um, but given that, and given the crazy analytic transformation that has gotten us here. Um, it's just hard. It's hard for me to believe they must think there is some chance of Bautista coming back or else we wouldn't be twisting in the wind like this. Like it just, you know, it, no other organ, no, no other organization that we are obviously modeled after would be it's just baseball now. You play the percentages. And if the percentages are that it's not going to be possible for this guy to pitch, and unless it's some weird contract dispute, like, you know, with Steven Strasburg, there's this whole thing where they're like, well, uh, we don't want to have to, we don't like the idea of paying you all, all this money once you retire. So, like, even though your arm is obviously about to fall off, we're hoping to see you at spring training next year. That's just not the case with, with Bautista. So that... They must be looking at some credible medical information that suggests it could happen. Yeah. I mean, a simulated game is like, that's, that's not on ice. Yeah. <laughs> like that's throwing hard. And talk about PR. Like you don't put Felix Bautista on a pitcher's mound at Oriole Park and let it be caught on film. And think that's not going to raise expectations. Right. Like, they they could have had him throw that simulated game in the bullpen or under, you know, under the stands somewhere. They right. did it on the mound, <laughs> in, like, the actual game mound in the middle of the field. They know what that's going to make people think. And they're not backing away from it. So something's going on. Yeah. I, f- I feel like that's that's the maximum thing we can say is, like, something's going on. <laughs> Something's going on. It's very strange. Um, and I, you know, I, I, the, 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 just the potential chance that he does come back feels like a, like, I don't know, almost a, uh, like the psychological boost that I feel like the Orioles would get just having him be available. Yeah. I think would be through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, you know, as much as it seems like the idea that they're keeping him looming in the ether as a way to psych out opposing teams is like maybe a little too far-fetched. I don't think it's too far-fetched to imagine that they are aware of the clubhouse impact of saying like, we know that this guy was a huge part of how we got here. And we're saying there's a chance he could be back. We're going to do everything that we can to. Yeah. To get him here. I just, I just thought of who Cole Irvin might come back to replace. Go Uh, on. Jorge Lopez. Mm, Well, Lopez is not available, is he? Right, 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 right. So he, he has to come out. Uh, Interesting. Had had to be a weird night, weird night for Jorge Lopez to be like, oh man, I got here like two days too late. <laughs> yeah, I mean he'll he'll um he'll uh but he's back be next a, year. Like, yeah, for he'll sure. be he'll be around. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I imagine, you know, he'll get a he'll get a he'll get a ring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was a statement, Smith. That was a statement. Big thought to end on. Big thought from Alan Smith. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Anything is possible. If Anything all is... those things can line up in the same evening. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I do, I do want to spend like just like three seconds in closing saying, um, you know, I was imagining that the uh, roster this weekend would be flooded by AAA prospects all coming up to give the starters a rest. But I actually don't think that's going to happen because they have to go play um, the Pacific League champions uh, on <laughs> Sunday. And someone was uh, noting the fact that, like, I don't, I don't remember who to give this credit to, but someone was noting that, you know, for so many months, double A, single A, triple A are all development leagues. Your whole point is not to win or lose games. It's about your individual, you know, how are my at-bats looking? What's my velocity, et cetera, et cetera. And then this weird thing switches at the end of the AAA season and all of a sudden games matter. Yeah. Um, and I kind of love that our guys are getting, you know, it's not the same pressure as the ALDS, but they're getting playoff reps. Yeah. Um, and Jackson Holiday's fucking hammering three run home runs <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. very yeah. exciting that stuff matters and like it does seem like you know for all of the metric advancements that have helped get us here obviously like they picked adley rutschman when they picked adley rutschman in large part because of his makeup and the more that they can do and and the impact of that has been clear like we love to just go ahead and say that the reason the Orioles haven't been swept in 91 series is because of Adley Rutschman. And even though there's no, nobody can ever prove that that's true, but we like the idea that that's true. And it does seem like the whole attitude of this team started to shift last year, but has been so markedly different this year. And like, it's not just Ryan O'Hearn saying in print, we love each other. Um, it's, it's other guys who, who are saying the same thing too. Um, and so I feel like what you're describing is a part of the organizational philosophy, philosophy now, like build a culture of winning. Yeah. Yeah. That that does start, that does start in the PCL and the PCL, I don't know, international league championship, whatever it's called. Right, 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 right. The PCL winner versus the, uh, whatever the heck league the tides are in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is one other question uh, heading into the playoffs, Smith, that I, I don't think we have, we have answered, and I, I want to put it to you, which is, what do you call Henry Urudia when his function, uh, I'm sorry, former Orioles prospect Henry Urudia, <laughs> uh, his, his full birth name, uh, what do you call former Orioles prospect Henry Urudia when he has respawned on the roster of the Washington Nationals as a flickering bulb of hope of what is perhaps soon to come. I have no idea. Is that Lou? You would call him Jacob Henry Alou Rudia. <laughs> you know, uh, your boy, your boy Jacob Alou is um 
26-year-old rookie drafted in the 25th round of uh, the 2000 and something draft. So I'm not sure that he is the uh, the hope that <laughs> the Nationals have been um, clamoring for. But, yeah. you know, stranger things have happened. You think you're up to the Arudia standard, Alu? <laughs> I know we may be we may be for the first time in a long time over promoting somebody to uh, <laughs> put them up with Henry Arudia. Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. All right, Baltimoreans, we will be back next week to preview. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! The ALDS. In the meantime, enjoy those deep breaths. Baltimoreans. <laughs> <laughs> 